Hey everyone, welcome to the Christian Health Service Court Iron to Silver podcast. We hope this will be a resource for you. We hope it will be your source for insightful conversations with expert guests in the area of global health, patient safety, and improving quality of care in low and middle income countries. Join me, Greg Seeger, Christian Health Service Corps founder, and Dr. Sarah Pruitt and Dr. Kelly Frazier as we share stories and explore strategies to improve healthcare in low and middle income countries. Well, hey, everyone, welcome back to the podcast and the Christian Health Service Corps podcast on uh, global health and medical missions. I'm here today with Dr. Uh, Nicholas Comnenellis, who is the uh, president and founder of the Institute for International Medicine in Med. He also serves as a tenured professor there, and he's also uh, faculty at the Research Medical Center Family Medicine Residency Program there in Kansas City. Uh, welcome, uh, Nicholas. It's good to have you on today. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and, and your very special audience. Yeah, well, I, uh, I realized, you know, we've been friends for a long time, and I started digging into uh, your uh, your bio and stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there is so much that I don't know about this guy that is super interesting to, I think, those who are interested in uh, in passionate, share or passionate about global health and in uh, in international medicine work globally. Of uh, so, you were in early in your career. I understand you were in uh, Shanghai, China, where you served at Shanghai Charity Hospital, and then. You also served in Angola in the midst of a civil war. I think we should get into some of that, but maybe you can share a little bit with the audience where you went to medical school, where you did your maybe public health training, and I know you did some uh, training in uh, tropical medicine as well, if I remember correctly. So I was really fortunate to live close by to a combined uh, bachelor's MD program, was one admission for both programs. And so I started that right out of high school. And I I loved everything. I was interested in all the subjects, just about. And so uh, I was also a very comprehensive thinker. I, I was not really interested in one organ system. I was interested in the, the entire person. And so um, I decided to pursue family medicine. And as I was doing that, I got very interested in in community health topics. And so I added a training in uh, public health and I got double boarded in, in both fields. And that got me started. Okay. How did you, you did some training at Walter Reed as well. How did, you weren't in the military, were you? So at that time, uh, the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research had the Tropical Medicine School, and they reserved a certain number of slots each year for for non-military people. And so I got to do my Tropical Medicine School along with, um, you know, the infectious disease doctors who were in the U.S. military working in Iraq and uh, people with lots and lots of experience. Oh, I was. Yeah, I, I was a very diligent person. I, I I studied everything, and I was taking notes like, when I teach this course myself, this is how I'm going to make it better. And 15 years later, when I started teaching a course like that, I still had those notes. 
I went back to. Uh, yeah, it's funny what we depend on in our education as we're going through some of this stuff and trying to learn a little bit about, you know, what, what do best practices look like in global health and how do we, how do we really learn enough to be even remotely effective in a context that we are so unfamiliar with? Tell me a little bit about your journey into uh, global health and international medicine, because how does one go from a kid newly graduating school in Kansas City to I want to go to Shanghai, China and provide charity care? How did that come about? Well, I came to faith through a, an organization very similar to Young Life. Uh, it was called Youth for Christ, very similar to Young Life today. And that was just totally life-giving. I, My family came out, was in a very, very traditional um, religious system. And uh, I found the the, uh, the Young Life type approach to people are really excited about Jesus and really getting into scripture and talking about it all the time. It was just very life-giving. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with my career? Well, of course, I'm going to be a pastor, right? That's what you do when you're um, but when I was a senior in high school, I was browsing through the the library and I came across a book. It just jumped off at me and it said it was titled Deliver Us from Evil. Yeah. Began reading Deliver Us from Evil. Well, Deliver Us from Evil was written by the U.S. Navy doctor in charge of refugee care at the outset of the Vietnam War. And I was totally mesmerized. You know, it was this one guy, and he had thousands of people arriving every day, and they were cold, and they were hungry, and they were ill, and they couldn't find their children. And, and it was his job to bring the resources of uh, rescue to bear upon these people. And, and I was like, I want to do that. That's <laughs> and so uh, all the way through my, my formal education, I was looking for these opportunities to, rec to emulate Tom Dooley. St. Louis physician. And so I had both the, the, the New Testament mandate to be the hands and feet of Jesus and married with just the, the excitement and the culture and the, the life-saving opportunity of responding to people in need. And it was such a wonderful um, resonance for me. And uh, th that's how I got launched. So why Shanghai? Why China? So one of my classmates in med school uh, was a missionary kid from China. And so she was always talking about, you know, how great it was to grow up in China and, and wow, you should go, you should go to China. Well, about that time, the, the founder of my medical school said, uh, we're taking a school trip to China. And so I just jumped on that. Um, so my, my school, the U of Missouri in Kansas City, developed a sister school partnership with the, uh, with the Shanghai Charity Hospital, which, by the way, had been started by a British missionary dentist in 1920. And so it had all of this legacy of, of the gospel, um, within it. 
And there were still there were still some elderly people working there who remember when it was a church hospital, you know, until about 1960. And at that time, our number one admission diagnoses in Shanghai were tuberculosis and schistosomiasis and rheumatic fever, you know, diseases very, very closely connected with poverty because the, the typical doctor in China in 1981, when I, when I moved there, made $20 a month, $20 a month. And nobody else made much more than that either. So uh, lots and lots of of diseases connected with, with low resources. And uh, I started off by going there um, as a med student, and they said, whenever you can, come on back. And so as soon as I finished my training, I, I went back and I did a two-year stint uh, in Shanghai. That seems like the language barrier there would be enormous. That would that had to be a really tough uh, language to learn for uh, a, uh, you know, uh, from for a, for a North American who like, if you're like most North Americans, we struggle with English by itself, let alone adding, uh, adding Mandarin or Cantonese to that mix. It sounds like pretty challenging. Did you have to learn much? You know, uh, I, I'm guessing that's uh, Shanghai is Mandarin, correct? 我每天学习了很多中文，可是我更喜欢那个音乐。So I I don't think I'm I don't think I'm particularly gifted at language, but I had a really good motivation. And I think language is mostly about motivation. If you've got a great reason, and and you uh, create some learning opportunities, go for it. Oh, uh, so so no at the, at that time. Um, the old doctors, the the doctors who were sixty and over, spoke English because they had gone to English speaking medical schools. Uh, anybody younger than that did not speak English, and so it, it was all Mandarin and and the Shanghai dialect. Isn't that interesting? You know, because so many places we work where it's kind of just the opposite, right? The younger generation speaks more English, and the older generation doesn't speak any. So that's, that's fascinating to me. So uh, after you returned home, or maybe while you were there, you wrote a book called Shanghai Doctor. Uh, and I, I tell me a little bit about that. I, uh, you know, I, I honestly have to confess, I was, I was kind of getting ready to do this interview, and we've known each other for years now. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have never seen this book before. And I now I have to read it, but I thought maybe you could give us a little little background on that. Uh, it, so be, and then next time we do this, I'm going to have read it, and I can I can drill you more specifically on it. Yeah, no problem. Well, the book is essentially tra- tracks the life of some of of a Chinese Christian and a Chinese um, um, civil 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 society leader government person and how they how they interact they were both hospital patients and i got to be the observer as their physician but the the book is not about me as much as it is about uh, contrasting the life of two people one of whom is following christ and one of whom is unfamiliar but progressively more 
curious about what that's like. Well, I'm I'm super interested, and now I've got to dig into it. Well, as... so many people may remember that in in Scripture, of course, we talk about the new man, you know, mm-hmm. the re, the the unregenerate man, and then the new man with the with the the new life in Christ. You know, the filling of the Spirit. The old is transformed into the new. Well, there are parallel concepts within Marxism. You know, there is the old. They 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 talk about the old man who is selfish and who is self centered, and they talk about the new man who is inspired by the communal uh, ideology. And so there are so engaging people um, who follow that particular worldview actually can be really fascinating from the standpoint of how the gospel speaks into the. The uh, regeneration, the, the the creation, the generation of the new man. That's awesome. So, a uh, few few years later, you come home, uh, and you end up moving um, again overseas, and you go this time to Angola. Uh, at which point, that uh, was they were kind of in the midst of a. Civil War, correct me if I'm wrong, that war lasted almost 30 years, one of the longest civil wars in Africa. Uh, what in the heck possessed you to do that, to move uh, it to a country in the midst of, of chaos uh, when all of the missionaries and everybody was fleeing the country, you, uh, you grabbed your family and moved in, if I remember correctly. Yeah, right. A little little counter countercultural. Uh, before the war in in Angola, the Civil War, um, there had been something like sixty uh, church hospitals throughout the country. And then, with the onset of the um, of the Civil War in seventy six, uh, all of them progressively closed, except one, the one that you visited a few years ago, and. There was an appeal uh, that was circulating in um, Christian mission societies in the United States for a physician to come help staff that that facility. And so I had read Deliverers from Evil, you know, Tom Dooley, he was working in a war zone. And I thought, now's my chance. I'm going to go do it. Um. So, so that was really the main thing. So, so there were there were Christians in the country who said, "We need help with this facility, and would would somebody please?" Now, there were some human elements. The weather in Angola is absolutely gorgeous, way nicer than Kansas City, where I live right now. Uh, the language was Portuguese, which is very similar to Spanish, fairly easy as languages go. Um, and there was actually some financial support to do this as well. Um, so, so all all told, then I, I said, "Yeah, I, I can do this. Can handle this." Now, of course, it had it had its challenges. Um, got shot at a few times. Got really sick a few times. Uh, just the kind of the kind of challenges that you would expect. But there again, there's very little that's more that's more. Um, inspiring, you know, than than seeing somebody who was going to die and they 
don't die or seeing people who are are spiritually lost or confused and and they come to faith in Christ and it's like wow you know forget about being sick you know it's it's worth it amen amen the uh i uh i i love that hospital we just actually had uh Daniel and Priscilla Cummings on a previous episode uh to talk about Kelukembe Hospital in Angola and uh you know over the course of probably the last 10 years we've We've invested quite a bit into that hospital and uh, are are hoping that we can get some more long-term uh, missionary providers there that would, uh, we, we have new doctor housing and there's a lot of good things happening there. So we're we're excited about that place and, and hope to continue to work there for many years to come. But uh, it's, it's a special place. Uh, I was... It, the thing that struck me about it was that it survived for so long without any physicians. And it was kind of the only last remaining holdout uh, mission, church-run mission hospital that really survived the, the Civil War. And that's, uh, that's so impressive to me. Yes. Yeah, so, and, I, and I'm really thankful the way, for the way uh, uh, you and the Christian Health Service Corps have supported the Cummins and their work in that very remote place. Yes, it is that, but it's uh, um, it's it's a beautiful place. I do agree that the weather in Angola seems amazing. I can't wait to to actually get back on the ground there at some point and visit them again. The uh, let's let's take a step forward. Uh, now that you've been shot at and uh, and had some issues and challenges in Angola, but no, I, I think I've heard some great stories from you. I wish we had time to to uh, to to hear more, but I do want to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing at uh, at InMed and Institute for International Medicine because I think it's very relevant to those that share our passion for for global health and tropical medicine. Uh, you guys have have had a diploma course on international medicine for years. Uh, it's it's one of a kind. I think one of the best that's out there. There was another program that anyway. I think you guys lead the field in in this. And I always recommend we do a smaller version of that course of a course at Christian Health Service Corps. But I really always recommend people who are serious about learning and really growing in this area spend. Uh, time doing either your diploma course or now uh, you have a, a full master's degree. Can you tell us a little bit about your programs there in Mint? So uh, the war escalated in Angola and I had to leave. And I came back to the U of Missouri where I started teaching, where I had graduated from, and just immediately approached by all of these students, med students, pharmacy students, dental students, nursing students, we want to do what you did. Help us get started. And so I, I set up some rotations for them, you know, with, with people that I had worked with, people that I had known. And then I quickly discovered that, well, they need a little preparation before they go off to Tanzania or Ghana or Bangladesh. And so I developed some curriculum for them to to study before they leave. And then all of that just grew and became more busy. And so um, 
20 years ago, I left my day job um, to, to found this institute, you know, that's focused on giving people the unique skills and experience that they need to excel at serving vulnerable people. And it and it's just grown grown year by year um, since then. And, and of course, the best part of it has been the wonderful people that I get to meet along the way, like you, Greg. Yeah, yeah. We've I've certainly been a fan of of you guys since I discovered the program. Uh, the uh, so right now it looks like you have a uh, you you still have the diploma program, or that's completely transitioned into the master's in international medicine. Tell me what programs you guys have right now. So so we offer actually four different tiers. So the okay. the bottom tier is is we offer short self paced online courses. And if if somebody is going on their first mission trip and they want to brush up on malaria, then they can they can register for a five hour self paced course that they can get up to speed on malaria or disaster management or cross cultural skills. We we offer twenty different subjects. So that that's the basic level. Next level is a graduate certificate in international health. That is a structured eight-week course that has a faculty, it has assignments, it has projects, it has classmates, you all Zoom in together every week. And everybody who does a rotation with us will do that course as part of their prep work before they act, before we actually send them. And, uh, and then if we send them, then that's the, that's the graduate diploma, that's the next one up, and, and that's the most popular of all. So, so they'll do the core didactic course, and then they'll go do their rotation. And we have faculty in 25 countries that will receive people, and they can choose what they want to focus on. So if they want to do OB, we'll send them to certain places. If they want to do orthopedics, we'll send them. If they want to do public health, we'll send them to a public health site. And then they usually come back from that going, oh my gosh, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. And we did that for about 15 years. Um, and there were so many people saying, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And so three years ago, we um, started the university accreditation process and we launched a master's degree. And so they'll do those things I just talked about, plus some electives and a research project. And so what we're creating is people who not only have a good heart, but they've also got some solid didactic and experiential skills. And so we hope that they'll do excellent work moving forward and that we can also project a very important vision that people see that this kind of work, you know, serving forgotten people, marginalized people, vulnerable people, is really worthy of your very best effort. It's really worthy of your life. It's worthy of attention and preparation. Uh, and, and hence, uh, raise the stature of people who pursue this as a visionary calling. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The, uh, you know, really that idea of being prepared to be, you know, to step into 
situations. You know, we see that in many of the hospitals that we work at long term. How do we, when volunteers go out, are they prepared? And you know, they're stepping into an environment where sometimes they're they're expected they're expected to step up and do, you know, real patient care, especially once they're fully licensed. And and that's tough if you've never seen how to treat a child with severe acute malnutrition. What does that even look like? What is the 10-step process for, you know, that WHO lays out for uh, treating kids with severe acute malnutrition? What about, you know, treating malaria? Most, most physicians trained here in the U.S. have no idea. So I admire so much what you guys are doing because, you know, there's, there's a tidal wave of, of volunteers that go out from this country every year to do some kind of service program. And we're our best guesstimates maybe before COVID were probably a quarter of a million to uh, a half a million people, medical volunteers that go into the developing or, or low and middle income countries every year. How do we, anything we can do to make them more prepared and ready and, and, and uh, raise the quality of care that they're able to provide, I think is, is, is an important work. So I really thank all of what you guys do at InMed and the work that you've done there is just amazing. And we are grateful for you guys and look forward to continuing to support it for years to come. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to you, Greg, for, for opening the door. So InMed does a lot of the, the prep work, but we're not a sending agency. We're not a long-term partner organization. And so when people ask us, all right, I've done my, my training now, where do I where do I go and with whom do I work over the long term, then I am so glad that uh, Christian Health Service Corps is there as a organization they can work with for the long haul. And we we have uh, relationships with other organizations as well that if someone has a real heart to serve internationally, but necessarily maybe they're not one of one of us who are motivated from our faith, but still have a passion to do that. There's a number of organizations that I know we refer to as, and I'm guessing you do as well. Uh, so is, is there anyone in the, in the realm of, of, uh, you know, those that aren't motivated by their faith that you send to? Now you're, you're talking about individuals. Yeah. Individuals that want to go out and serve globally, but necessarily maybe aren't motivated as, you know, as we are from, from our Christian faith. Right. So InMed works with students, with learners from any background. Right. Um, we do, we do have a, a pretty broad spectrum of, of individuals. Um, I, you were, you were there at our conference a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, we, um, have a, a Muslim Pakistani who, who graduated with her master's from InMed. And what, what we'll do is we will help if that person needs connections for how they can, you know, continue to live out this virtuous lifestyle, this virtuous career, then, then we'll help them with, with people that, that we know, depending on, uh, you know, what is their faith and what is their career orientation. Sure. Sure. Well, Nicholas, thank you for taking time out to share today. We are grateful for all that you guys do, and we 
are thankful that you took time out today to come and share with our audience. I'm grateful for the chance to talk with you and yours, Greg. All right. Well, till next time. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Christian Health Service Corps Iron to Silver podcast. You know, Christian Health Service Corps, we are passionate about bringing quality health care to the world's poorest places. If you share our passion, we'd love to hear from you. Our website is www.healthservicecorps.org. Thank you again for joining us this week.